Sharon. Good morning. Welcome to First Church this morning. A beautiful, bright Sunday morning. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope everybody uh, had a good evening the night before. So, before we get started with our service, I have a few announcements uh, to go through. The rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Donald and Carolyn Henson's wedding anniversary of 52 years on January 3rd. So, congratulations, Donald. All of the uh, regular Sunday school classes resumed today. The congregational meeting to accept the nominations for the officers of the consistory and the congregation will be held next Sunday, January 8th, following the 9 a.m. service. Uh, All those nominations are in your worship folder. Uh, Next Sunday after the congregational meeting, we will also begin to take down the decorations and... uh, it doesn't take as long to take them down as to put them up, so if we have plenty of help, it really won't take too long at all. First Church of New Knoxville is having a day of prayer starting at 8 a.m. January 21st and ending at 8 a.m. on January 22nd. The day of prayer is for the body of the believers to join to pray for redemption and the healing of our land. Please sign up for a time slot to come to church and pray for our church, our community, and our country. You can sign up individually, as a family, or as a group of friends. There are posters at the doors of the church to sign up. And one other announcement that I want to announce is on the back side of your worship bulletin is all of the uh, details on the Tennessee relief, fire relief uh, plan that's going on and our mission trip to go to Tennessee with a a whole bunch of stuff to help those people that, that were affected by the fire. So... All the details are there as far as when you can drop off items, what they need, and uh, we appreciate your help on that. So uh, at this time, I ask you to please stand and we'll have the call to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love the His faithfulness continues through all generations. We will continue to stand and sing our song of praise in Christ alone.
you may be seated. This time I'd like to invite Shannon Rediger forward, um, as well as any of her family and friends who are with her, would li- if you'd like to come forward as well. Um, also, any elders and, and Tori that are here. Um, as you see in the bulletin, uh, we're going to be commissioning Shannon on her, her world race trip. Um, you guys have heard a lot about that over the past few months as she's been fundraising and looking for support. And, and you as a church have been overwhelmingly supportive of her, and we're very grateful for that. I know she is as well. Um, she wanted to just share a few words of thanks to you before we go on. Hi, guys. Um, it just was a few short months ago that I got the opportunity to share with you guys about my trip, and it seems like it was just like yesterday. And I honestly never thought that I would get fully funded for my trip. Um, but I did reach the goal mark, and I'm fully funded. Um, and it has just been a huge blessing in my life. And I can't even, I don't even have the words to say, like, your guys' help has meant so much to me, and I never thought I would get to the point where I would earn all my money, and it just means a lot that you guys were so generous, and it means a lot. Um, And just thank you for your prayer, and any of you guys that took the opportunity to just come and encourage me when I was feeling discouraged, it it means the world to me, so thank you so much. All right, thanks, Shannon. Now, this time next week, you're going to be in Atlanta, is that right? And, and pretty soon after that, you'll be heading on your trip. So this is Shannon's last Sunday with us, and so we wanted to take the time to encourage her and pray for her before before she leaves. Um, I do have a few scripture passages I just wanted to share with you. Uh, first of all, it's the Great Commission, which is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is Jesus, uh, before he returned to the Father after his resurrection, gathered his 11 disciples around him, and he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, As I was thinking about what to share with you this morning, I was... You know, reminded, you're, you're very literally going to many of those nations that Jesus was speaking of. Um, you're going out 11 of them, I believe, right? Um, over the next year. And what a, what a very, um, faithful response to that great commission. You know, of course, we have a responsibility to make disciples here in our own town and our own communities, but you're taking that, that extra step, that extra step of faith and going and, and where he's commanded us to go, which is to all the nations. And that promise is that he'll be with you um, wherever, till, the, till the very end of this age. It's a promise that's echoed throughout Scripture. Now, another passage I thought of was was beginning of Joshua, chapter 1. Um, Joshua was, was standing on the edge of the unknown, standing on the edge of the promised land, about to lead, lead the people of God into this new unmarked territory. Um, very, a lot of uncertainty, which I'm sure you're feeling <laughs> that as well, um, just like Joshua was. And these are the words that God used to encourage Joshua. He said, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. that, that promise that God is with his people um, is, is a promise echoed throughout Scripture. And, and I just wanted to encourage you by, by reminding you that God is with you. Um, as you embark on this journey, as you step into the unknown, just like Joshua did, uh, God will be with you as you go. And, and we will be supporting you through prayer. Um, you know, we've been very generous, and what a blessing that we've been able to support you financially. But we'll 
be committing to continue to support you through prayer and, and thinking of you and, and checking in on your website to see how you're doing and all of that stuff. And we can't wait to hear how God uses you and in, um, in this journey that you're about to embark on. And so we just like to be praying for you um, today, but as you continue on this journey as well. And so um, if you'd like, I'd like invite you to kind of step forward here and any elders that are here or anybody else, family, friends that like to lay hands on you, I'm just going to say a word of prayer as a blessing and, and encouragement as you prepare to leave. Uh, and, and if you'd all join us in prayer as well. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be here and, and in a very, you know, real way send Shannon off onto this mission um, that you've called her to be on. Uh, we're very grateful and thankful for the support that this church and community has shown her. Uh, but Lord, ultimately we recognize that that is from you, um, that those blessings, um, this provision is ultimately from you. It's, it's through our faith in you and, and through the gifts that you've given us that we've been able to support her. And so we thank you for all that. We thank you for your provision and your guidance and your direction in her life. And I pray now that as she goes, um, you keep her safe, uh, protect her as she travels with this team, um, protect her as she steps into, Lord, very un, unknown and uncharted territory in her life. Um, this is going to be all new for her. So I pray that you would bless her, give her courage and strength um, teach her to rely on you, Lord, um, as she's discouraged, as she's missing home and her friends and her family. Teach her to look to you for that strength that she needs. I pray as you encourage Joshua that, that she would um, be able to, to focus on you and your word, that she would not turn from it to the left or to the right, but be able to focus on you and everything that she does. And I pray, Lord, that you would be able to use her to reach many people over this next year as she is um, serving in these various countries and these various mission fields. I pray that you would use her as an instrument of your peace and, and be able to reach out and, and impact people in a way that, that points them towards you. Thank you for all you do and continue to do. And we pray you'd also be with her family and her friends that are, that are left here uh, and, and, and going to be worried about her as well. I pray that you would bless them. Give them a peace of mind. Give them a strength that can come only from you and, and help them to look to you as, as, uh, as our God and as our, um, as our peace and comfort um, while Shannon is away. We thank you for all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you. Um, as they're returning their seats, we invite children to come forward and uh, for children's chat and uh, for you to greet your neighbors um, while they come forward. comes the Jones boys. Good morning. Are you guys a little tired this morning? Yeah, did you stay up and watch the ball fall? You did? You went to bed too early? That's good. 
You did? Okay. Past midnight? Wow. But you know what? I just got my kitty dressed for this thing this morning. Oh, yeah. So, why did we stay up late? Because it's the new year. It's January 1st. It's the new year. And so the new year is like a new beginning. Does anybody know? What did I bring with me today? What does this look like? A book. What do I have in my book? What does it look like? It's my calendar. It's my day planner. Look at this. Look how busy. Basketball games, volleyball games, church meetings, driver's ed, all kinds of things in here. Now, look what happens whenever I turn back. Look at this. Is there much written on these pages? No, we're starting a new year. It's like getting to start over. We get to start and figure out how we're going to plan our new life, how we're going to start off our new year. We can make changes. We have lots of wide open space that we can we can plan new things that we want to do. Okay? And so... Maybe it's like starting over and we're going to hmm, maybe pick up our toys without being told. That's like starting over, trying something new, okay, helping mom out more, okay. There's all different kinds of things. Some adults call these things New Year's resolutions, okay, but they really don't always work. So we're going to really work hard this year to try to make ourselves a better person, a better person for Jesus, because we're starting anew. And he's giving us new life. When he died on the cross for us, he gave us new life. And so as we start this new year, we need to look for ways that we can change to make our lives better. Okay? Things that we can do better, things that we want to start to do. Okay, so as we start this new year with new opportunities, new things to try, just remember that Jesus gave us these new opportunities. Okay, so let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this new year. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world to die on the cross for us so that we could live a life where we don't have to worry about sin. Be with us this week as we head back to school, back to work over the, after the holidays. Help us to use these opportunities to show other people how much Jesus loves each one of us. In his name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys. In the last week in Texas, we lost in an Apache helicopter crash. Chief Warrant Officer, 3rd Class, Dustin L. Mortensen, 32, from League City, Texas. And Chief Warrant Officer, 2nd Class, Lucas M. Lowe, 33, from Hardin, Texas. And because it's a new year in 2016... In Afghanistan in the last year, we lost 14 U.S. servicemen, two Romanians, of which 11 of those were hostile fire. That's the lowest fatalities in Afghanistan since 2001. And in operations supporting 
are in operations supporting Iraq, you know, various places, including people who, were, who died in Kuwait and Abu Dhabi and Syria and various places. Seventeen soldiers were lost, eight of which were by virtue of hostile fire. So while that is an improvement over where we have been, Obviously, the wars go on in those countries and, and Syria, and at some point we will discuss the amount of other Iraqis and Afghanis and Syrians that have been killed in the conflicts in the last 16 years, the numbers of which are staggering. Keep these soldiers and their families in your prayers and in your mind, and hopefully 2017 will be an improvement over even 2016. Thank you, Jay. Uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer, I, I just want to bring your attention to uh, this handy dandy clipboard that's on the, going to be on the front pew after um, after the service is over. Um, 2017 brings a lot of new stuff, and that includes a new schedule for the nursery care uh, during this service. Um, so this calendar is going to be up front. Um, we ask that if you're able to and willing to, to work with kids during this service, um, we invite you to, to take a Sunday. There's two slots under each week. Uh, we'd encourage two people to sign up for each Sunday so that way you're not down there by yourself. And so um, if you're able to do this, we really encourage you to take the time and, and sign that up. It really is a blessing and a ministry to, to young families, but also their children, to be able to spend time to provide them a safe environment where they're cared for and prayed for and and it provides time for, for the parents of those young children to, to be able to enjoy the service without the distraction of their kids around if they choose to do that. So um, I encourage you to take the time and, and sign up for that if you're able to. Uh, let's pray at this time. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all the, the newness that the new year brings. Um, what, a, what a unique opportunity to be here on January 1st um, as this new year is just hours old. Um, and, and I'm reminded that your word promises that your blessings are new each morning. Um, Lord, we don't necessarily have to wait to the new year to be reminded of that, but it is a good reminder, a good time to, to think about the blessings that you give us and the, the fresh start that you give us um, through your son, Jesus Christ. No matter where we've been or what we've done or the, the trouble that we've seen in our lives, Lord, we know that we can turn to you and in you have the hope of, of forgiveness and the hope of a, a relationship restored with you. I pray now that you would um, be with these families and these individuals on our list um, that we pray for week in, week out. We pray you continue to bless them, continue to be with them, Lord, as they face very difficult times. Um, we also remember um, the families of these soldiers that were lost over this past year, as Jay just reminded us of. The can be easy to forget what the cost of war is um, when the war is happening on the other side of the world. But, Lord, uh, we're reminded of the very real, the very costly um, sacrifices that, that people and families are making on our behalf. And we would be, um, it, it would be remiss of us to not acknowledge them and not think of that as we, as we pray to you this morning. And so we pray that you'd be with them, be their comfort, especially as, they, as, as we just have gone through the holiday seasons, which can be a reminder of all that we've lost. Um, I pray that you'd be with them and comfort them as well. I uh, thank you for all, all that you are doing and continue to do through Shannon and her mission trip that's coming up. We continue to pray for her and pray that you would work through her as well as the team and others that are out in the mission field at this time. We pray that you would use those who have, who have uh, 
sacrifice their time and their resources in order to serve you. I pray that you'd bless them and, and equip them, Lord, to continue to do your work. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. With those helping with offering, uh, please come forward at this time. Our offering is, is going to support the general fund here at the church. And I invite Eric and Jana Hirschfeld to, to bless us with some music ministry this morning. In the little village of Bethlehem, there lay a child one day. And the sky was bright with a holy light o'er the place where Jesus
may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the flavor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Maria. Kind of pulling double duty today, aren't you? We've got children's church and scripture reading. Thank you for doing that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here once again uh, to preach your word and, and share this message that you've placed on my heart. I pray that you would, uh, at this time, give me words to speak and open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray. Amen. If you have your bulletin today, I just want to take, encourage you to, to take that out for just a moment and turn to the very front page, the very front page where it says, Welcome, Welcome to our church. Um, this page is the same pretty much every week. And, and if you're anything like me, you just kind of skip over it. You know, it's there. It just be, kind of becomes part of, part of the bulletin, part of the page. And, and if you're here week in, week out, you often just skip right over it and turn right to the, you look at the next page where the outline for the worship service begins. But if you notice there, you know, there's things at the bottom. It's got, you know, mine and Tori's name, Eric, Kay, Sharon, Connie, Susie, Greg, and Lori. It's got all the names and our positions here at the church. But above that, it's got something, and that is our, our mission statement um, here at First Church. And, and it's something that was developed a few years ago by, by leaders here in the church and was adopted by, by you, the congregation, as our mission. And what I'd like to do over these next eight weeks is take a closer look at this. It's something that's kind of been there. It's been a part of this church for a few years. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's always been a part of the church because it was here when I showed up. Uh, but it's something that I feel like maybe we just skim over. Maybe as a church, we just kind of overlook it and we don't really pay attention to what it says and what it means for us to actually live it out as a church. And that's what I'd like to do. I don't want this to be just something we just skim over that's just in our bulletins week in and week out and we just kind of pass over it like we do the names of, of the people we already know. I want it to be something that becomes a part of who we are, a part of our DNA in a sense of, of what it means to be First Church. Um, and so we're going to be taking a look at this over the next several weeks um, as with the series on Philippians, there's a way that you can kind of keep track of what we're doing. There's a new booklet available, and it does have that mission statement right there in the booklet. You can follow along as well as different scripture passages we'll be looking at over the coming weeks. Um, but I, and so I encourage you to take advantage of that if you're a note taker and that helps you to, to remember things. Um, but I want to take a look, first of all, at what it means to be the church. Um, some ask, what is the church? What, that's, a, that's a very fair question. For some of us, church is just something that we've always done, always been a part of, and so it's something that's very familiar, but we've never taken the time to really think, what, what is a church? What does that mean? Uh, if, if I were to take a survey of the audience, um, you'd probably come up with some very, very similar things to what I initially thought of. Is the church a building? 
No, not really. We often think of the church as a building, don't we? You know, here at First Church, we have this beautiful sanctuary and, and all this, this beautiful building, the beautiful windows, and, and everything's very well kept and, and just a beautiful building. But the building itself is, is not the church. You guys probably are familiar with that old um, rhyme, right? Here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up and you see all the people. Familiar with that? That's the, it's, it's, it reminds us that that rhyme teaches us that the people in the church are, are or excuse me, the church is the building. It's not the people. But I don't think that's a, a very good way to look at the church. It's not just a building. Um, is church something we do? How many of you ever said you're going to go to church, right? You're going to go do something. You know, you're going to go to church. And what you are talking about is going here on a Sunday morning and you do something, right? We sing songs, we pray, we read scripture. You listen to me preach for a while. Um, we think of church as something we have to do. It's an action that we take. Um, but again, that's not really what it means when we talk about church. Because if we think of church as something we do, we're always going to have to be doing something in order to be um, part of the church, right? We can never do enough. We can never be involved in enough things to really be a part of the church if church is just something that we do. What's wrong with these two views is that it focuses on things that are external. It focuses on things that are outside of ourselves. When we think of the church as a building, it's something that we, it's somewhere we go, it's something that we are inside of, right? But it's not something that involves us personally. And the same thing with things that we do. Maybe that hits a little closer to home, but still it's actions, it's outward um, expressions of our, of our faith. It's not looking at us as, as looking at the church as people. But if we look at church as people, um, that gets a lot closer to what the Bible talks about when it talks about church. It's not somewhere we go or something we do, but it's something that you are. You are the church. The church isn't a place. It's not a thing. It's, 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 it's the group of people that makes up the church. That's why I entitled this sermon series, We Are the Church, because from a biblical perspective, we are the church. We are the church. The church is made up of groups of people that, that have one thing in common, that is our shared faith in Jesus Christ. That's what makes up the church. When Paul wrote letters to Rome and the, the church in Rome and the church in Corinth and the church in Philippi, he wasn't writing to a building, right? He wasn't writing to something like that. He was writing to a group of people, and he referred to them as the church. Uh, the, the, church the word church is used... About 110 times um, in the New Testament, if you use the NIV translation, that's the search I did. And 108 of those times, it uses a word, the word that's used that's translated church is a word called ecclesia, um, which you don't have to remember that one. There's not going to be a quiz at the end here. Uh, but it means simply the assembly or called out ones. It's a, it's a word that refers to a group of people. And so oh, overwhelmingly in the New Testament, when, when it refers to the church, it's referring to people. Groups of people that gather together to worship the Lord. And we see that reflected in our mission statement. If you were to look at that, the very first phrase there is a community of faith. And that's what I want to focus on today. That, that as a church, we're called to be a community of faith. We're not a group of individuals. We're a community. And we're a community of faith. There's, there's a lot of things that we could form a community around, right? Um, social clubs, country clubs, those sorts of things. There, we find all sorts of reasons to form community around different things. But what makes a church different from all of those other organizations is that it's centered around our faith in Christ. That's what makes a church a church. In a country club or a civic organization, right, um, you often pay dues in order to be a part of that club, right? There's a price you have to pay in order to be a part of that group. And 
And along with those dues comes some privileges and rights. You know, you get access to the facilities. If you are part of a golf club, right, a country club, you get to go and you, you can use their course without paying any additional fees to it. And you get the benefits that come along with it. But that's not what we talk about when we're talking about a church. Um, a church um, doesn't cost anything to be a part of, right? There's no dues you have to pay. Now, out of your faithfulness, you may decide to give, right? You have pledges and offerings and sorts of things, but those aren't dues. There's a difference there. Uh, it's, it's not dues you have to pay to be a part of this club. Um, it's, it's, that's out of the, the faithfulness of, um, of your calling. Uh, but the church is a group of people who claim faith in Christ. In a church, Jesus is the Lord. He's the head of the church, not any particular person or a group of people or even the pastor. A lot of people look at, you know, may look at me as the head pastor and think, okay, this is my church. This is, I'm in charge here. That's not, that's not the case. We see that in, in biblically speaking, Christ is the head of the church. You know, he's given me responsibilities as the head pastor that he expects me to fulfill. And I have a responsibility to, to lead and to shepherd in this place. But, but he is the head of the church. He's the one who is in charge. And that's true for all churches. Um, that's the one thing that holds us all together. Um, we're united around our faith in him. It's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. Country clubs or civic organizations, they may revolve around a certain aspect. There may be something that brings them all together, like golf, right? You, you like to golf, so you join a country club. That's what those people have in common. But in a church, what binds us is our faith in Christ. We may look and act and think differently. We may come from different economic backgrounds. We may even, and I'm sure we have lots of different political views in this room, right? There's a lot of things that may divide us, that may separate us, that we don't have in common. But the one thing that we do have in common is our faith in Christ. It's the same Lord that we worship um, each and every day and each and every week. Christianity is inherently community-oriented, not individualistic. In our culture, we put such a premium, we put such a focus on, on the individual, right? You are free to do whatever you want. You, your, your individual rights are what matters the most. But in Christianity, we see that um, our focus is not about gaining individual rights. You know, it's not about paying dues in order to earn privileges. But it's about being a part of something greater than ourselves. It's about being a part of God's kingdom, being citizens of his kingdom, and being a part of that means that we are a part of a community, right? We're not just called to be Lone Ranger Christians. You know, I think we often get this image of the, you guys know who the Marlboro Man is, right? This rugged cowboy, right, who can, doesn't need anybody else. He's just all by himself. We think sometimes that Christianity is like that, that we're all by ourselves. We don't need anyone else. We can make it on our own. But what we see in the pages of the New Testament, when we talk about what it means to be the church, what it means to be a follower of Christ, it's always meant to be in community, in relationship with other people, as well as a relationship with God. It's a being a part of something greater than ourselves. And so I think there's, in a sense, two dimensions of community. There's two aspects that I want to look at today when we talk about being a community of faith. One is this horizontal community, this horizontal aspect, which, which in other words, is our relationship with each other, right, on this kind of a horizontal plane, um, as, as well as a vertical community, that, that we have a relationship with the Lord. We each have that, and so that's what binds us together as a group of people, is our vertical relationship with God. 
So we have this horizontal aspect. We have this responsibility to each other as a church. We have this responsibility in the shared faith. Or excuse me, we have this responsibility to live that out. And then the vertical aspect is that shared faith that we each have. We have a relationship with the Lord, and that's what binds us together as a church. And so the first thing is that um, when we, excuse me, we see this coming out in Acts chapter 2. Uh, Maria read this for you earlier, but we see four characteristics of the early church. This passage describes the very beginnings of the church. Uh, Peter had just preached the first sermon at Pentecost uh, in, at, earlier in Acts chapter 2. And it says that 3,000 people came to faith that day, were saved. And so what we are seeing is really the beginning of that church, the beginning of the, the movement that we would later call Christianity. And, and it, this is described in, with four characteristics in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so over the next two weeks, what I want to do is look at those four characteristics and what it means for us to be a community of faith. And today we're going to be, uh, as I mentioned, focusing on community. And so we're going to be looking at the idea of fellowship and the breaking of bread. Next week we're going to look at what it means to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching as well as to prayer. And so as we look at this, when I talk about that horizontal aspect of community, the fellowship with each other, that's what, excuse me, the community with each other, that's what they mean by fellowship here in this passage. There was a sense of, of, of camaraderie, the sense of community that was there in the early church. Uh, another, the word that is used for community um, is a very particular word that, that is used several times in the New Testament. It's a word that means fellowship or participation. And it's a lot stronger connotation than just simply being someone's acquaintance. We may think of, you know, each other as acquaintances this time. Yeah, we go to the same church, but I don't really know them, right? I, I, they sit over in that pew and I sit over here, so we never really talk to each other, right? We get that a lot in churches and in, in, in everyday life, but... The fellowship that, that is described here in this passage and throughout the New Testament is something that's much deeper than just simply being someone's acquaintance. Um, the New Testament, Paul often describes our fellowship with Christ and his suffering. It's that same word that Paul uses there. In other words, it's not just we are familiar with Christ's suffering and we are aware of it. Um, and we have this passing knowledge of what it means. It means that we participate in it. We, we know what it means to, to suffer like Christ because sometimes we are called to suffer like he did. You know, we go through hardships and difficulties just like Christ did in his life. And so we know what it really means to, to participate in his suffering. Um, Paul also uses the word to talk about fellowship in Christian ministry, participation in that ministry. We looked at Philippians uh, for several weeks together where the Philippian church participated in the ministry with, with Paul through their prayers and through their financial support. They, they committed to Paul in a way that was more than just a passing knowledge or passing uh, familiarity. It was, it was a commitment to Paul and what he was all about. And so this word fellowship is so much more than we think of um, oftentimes when we, when we talk about a church. It's, something that's much, it's a much deeper commitment than just being aware of someone else. Uh, the, there's two analogies for the church that emphasize this type of community. Uh, in the New Testament, the church is first described as the body of Christ. Uh, and we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well as Romans chapter 12. Um, Paul writes, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all the many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, 
so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And Paul goes on to describe how we often see diversity within the body of Christ. Right? We don't all come from the same place or the same background or, or have all the same um, understandings. But, but what unites us is that common relationship with the Lord. And so the body has a lot of diversity, but it's all one body because we all have that one faith in Christ. And so, so that, again, the body of Christ is describing a very close connection in that way. Uh, the Bible also describes the church as the family of God. Romans 8 talks about how when we put our faith in Christ, we're adopted as sons and daughters into his family. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So to be a part of the church, to be a follower of Christ means that we're a part of that family as well. And, and we know that families are, are very close connections, right? It's more than just passing friendships, but it's, but it's that connection that comes when we are family. And so how can we promote this kind of fellowship, this kind of community here at First Church? Well, we can demonstrate love toward one another. And love is wanting God's best, wanting someone to be in God's will. That's what true love is. It's the love that God has for us that overflows in our life into someone else's life. A couple of weeks ago during Advent, I talked about that fountain, right? When we're receiving God's love, when that is flowing into our lives, it then can overflow into other aspects of our lives. And we can show that and demonstrate it to other people. And so being community means showing God's love to one another. It also means that we want to spur each other on towards maturity. We don't want, any, we don't want our church and our body to be unhealthy, right? We don't, a body that doesn't exercise, a body that doesn't grow is not healthy. And so as the body of Christ, we want to encourage each other in our faith and encourage each other through accountability. John 1.14 says that he, Jesus came in grace and truth. Right, This grace, you know, the love that he showed one, each one of us, the mercy that he showed us, but also in truth. We need to hold both of those things in common. We need to learn to speak the truth in love towards each other. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. We want to speak the truth in love. In other words, we, we want to speak the truth, but we need to do so in a way that encourages and uplifts each other, not tears each other down. In doing so, then our body can grow and be healthy. And we need to spur each other on towards good works. That's from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And we're actually going to take a look at that passage more closely here in a few weeks. But we want to encourage each other on in a faith. We want to build each other up and not tear each other down. And doing that, we'll be promoting that kind of fellowship that God desires for us to see here. And finally, we can also promote that kind of fellowship by meeting the needs of meeting the needs in the church and the community as they arise. This passage from Acts chapter 2 describes how they, they sold their possessions. They were able to hold everything in common so that they were able to meet the needs of those in their community. It's not a demand to sell everything or give it all away. You know, right? we should not be, but we should not be so attached to our material possessions that we're unwilling to help those who are in need. Right? So, so it's not a call to, for you to go sell your house and give all your money to the poor. Right? But it's, but it's being willing to meet the needs of those around us as they arise. 
You know, I think of no better example of, of what you all did for Shannon as she was preparing for this trip. You guys went above and beyond the expectations to meet her need in order to supply um, what she needed for that trip. God had called her to ministry. God had called her to do something. And so out of your sense of fellowship, out of your sense of community in this church, you met her need as it came up in, in, in a way that surprised her, I'm sure, and surprised, surprised me in a, in a very great and, and real way. So, so that is a sign of the fellowship and the community that, that we desire to see here in this church is, is to meet each other's needs. But we also see that fellowship is more than just that horizontal relationship. God desires for us to get along, right? God desires for us to, to, to lift each other up and spur each other on in the faith. But we also have to, to build and to, to nurture that vertical relationship that we each have with the Lord. And so that's where this idea of breaking bread comes in. Uh, the, the breaking of bread is a, was a symbolic way to talk about communion and the Lord's Supper. Uh, when, when the church would gather around, they, they, would, they would often, um, and it said they would break bread daily in their homes, they would gather together and, and celebrate the, the Lord's Supper as Jesus had taught them to do um, for them just weeks beforehand, right, as a way to remember what Christ had done for them and as a way for them to remember the sacrifice that God, excuse me, that Jesus had made on our behalf. And so our fellowship is also based around our common relationship with Christ. And this one thing that we have in common, our relationship with him is infinitely greater than anything that may divide us. Right? We may bicker over certain things and we may not see eye to eye on everything. But if we each have a faith in Christ, if, we, if we're able to, to profess that one faith in the Lord, then we're able to gather on the table and encourage each other by sharing in the Lord's Supper together. Does that make sense? You know, we have a lot that we may disagree on, but if we each have faith in Christ, that is what binds us beyond anything we may disagree about. And celebrating the Lord's Supper reminds us of that shared relationship. And it's meant to be celebrated in community, right? It's meant to be celebrated with other believers and other Christians. It's not something you're supposed to do just by yourself. That's why even when I go and visit people in the nursing home or in their or shut-ins in their home and I bring communion, I celebrate it with them. I partake with them because it's meant to be done in community. I don't just, you know, hand it off to them and say, here you go, <laughs> good luck. But we do it together as a sign, as a symbol of our shared relationship in the Lord. And so in celebrating the Lord's Supper, not only does it strengthen our bond as a church, not only does it strengthen our community of faith, but it also helps us to encounter the risen Lord together. In Luke chapter 24, we get this encounter. It's the only place in the New Testament, or excuse me, in the Gospels, that describes this encounter that the risen Lord Jesus had with some disciples on the road. This is after he had been crucified, after he had raised from, was raised from the dead. Uh, these disciples are walking along the road, and they're a little discouraged, right? Their, their, their teacher, their, their Lord had just been crucified, and they did not know that he was um, excuse me, they had, they had heard that he'd raised from the dead, but they weren't really believing it, I guess you could say. And so Jesus comes alongside them, and they don't even recognize him. And they're walking along the road, and Jesus teaches them from the Old Testament all that the Messiah had to do and to suffer in order for their salvation to be ensured. And, and they arrive to, at the village that they were going to, and, and, and they invite Jesus to come in, and, and they decide to break bread together. They share this meal. And verse 30 says this, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
See, in that moment, in the, in the sharing of that communion, in the sharing of the Lord's Supper, they were able to see Jesus for who he really was. And as we gather around the table, as we share communion together, we get this, we're, we're able to see, remember what Christ has done for us, and in a way, see Jesus and encounter him in that as well. It's a reminder of all that Christ has done for us and the reality of the, our relationship with him. And so as a symbol of our fellowship with one another and our commitment to the Lord, um, let's share in the Lord's Supper together. Uh, we're going to sing a song first, but I encourage you to prepare your hearts and minds and, and, and remember what it means to be a community of faith and, and what we have um, and what this, this symbol reminds us of as we celebrate it together. Let's stand. I flipped my bulletin back to the front page. I've got to get back here. Uh, let's stand and sing number... I'm sorry. 293. Thank you. 293. Rise up, O Church of God. We're going to do communion a little different today, uh, being New Year's Day and, and with this focus on, on community and fellowship, we thought we'd do it a little differently. So often when we pass the, pass the trays here in our, in our pews, it's very individualistic, right? You don't have to really encounter other people or look at other people or anything. It's just kind of you and the Lord, which is a good thing. That's, that's a benefit at times. But talking about community and what that means for us, we thought we'd do it a little differently. And so I want to invite Jaina and Keith and Glenn forward, um, and we're going to um, serve communion by intinction. There's going to be two stations. There's going to be one over here and one on this side. And as the music is playing, um, just want to, we're going to invite you forward. Um, one of us will be holding uh, a plate with bread and one of us will be holding a cup. We invite you to just take one of the pieces of bread and dip it in the cup and then, and then eat it that way um, as a way to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, so as the music's playing, um, I encourage you to, to come up. There's going to be, like I said, a station here and a station on that side. You can um, come up uh, the side aisle, uh, partake in communion, and then you can go back to your seat um, through the middle aisle. And so um, we'll be celebrating the Lord's communion that way together. Um, 
as, as Jesus taught, as, as Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians, um, he received from this tradition from the Lord as he, he, excuse me, he passes it on as he received it from the Lord himself. That on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all of you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to come forward and receive this holy sacrament to your comfort.
his blood shed for you. The body of your Lord Jesus Christ broken for you, his blood shed for you. Having celebrated communion together and sharing in his body and blood, I invite you to go now in peace, knowing that the Lord is with you and encouraging you to grow in your fellowship with each other. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.